the video podcast that keeps you in the mix of everything real estate. I'm Noelle Fryson with the Center for Real Estate Education, and we have our power panel here today. First, we have Eric Anderson, CEO of Alexander Anderson Real Estate Group. We have Adam Sperber, VP of Residential Real Estate for Alexander Anderson Real Estate Group. We have Omar Sharif, VP of Alexander Anderson Capital Group. And as always, we have Nima Mary, Managing Director. Oh, God. <laughs> Managing Director from a Mary Law Firm. And we have a special, special, special guest today. We have Lauren Sella. Hi, Lauren. Who is the VP? Oh no, who's the senior loan consultant? Everyone else is a VP. I'm I was like, VP. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly feel like I, sh- I want to be a VP now too. Yeah, I'm the VP of mortgages. Period. <laughs> she's this, and you guys really need to know this because she's the senior loan consultant at New American Funding, and today we are going to be talking about money. 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 Have money. money. Yes. We're going to be talking about American Idol material. Yeah, right there. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be talking about mortgages, credit, interest rates, inflation, and what you need to know. So, let's start this off with Lauren. So, mortgages. How do we get a mortgage? What a mortgage are we looking for? Do we Go. want a mortgage? The most important thing, in my opinion, is credit. Credit is <laughs> credit can make you or break you. The better your credit is, the better your financing is. Obviously, you know, you need to have a debt to income ratio that's okay. You need to have a job. I've had people come to me and say, Well, I you know, I'm I'm on unemployment, but I, I pay my rent. You need a job. So <laughs> oh, God. they're not getting a mortgage. <laughs> you should have put it on that side of so, the yeah, table. So yeah, so, so uh, mortgage is one oh one, you need a job, you need an income. Um and uh, credit, obviously, so, so, so important. Um, Break it down. Tell us about what credit score you should have. The best credit score is an 800 FICO score. Um, not many people have 800 FICO scores. Um, we have a lot of different things that we can do to help um, increase FICO scores to get better financing. If someone has a rate in the 670 range. To me, I see that as we've got 10 points. Should he hit the buzzer? (laughs) I'm actually thinking, right, before you give away the secret sauce, should we at least offer four easy payments of (laughs) (laughs) $19.99? Subscribe now. Subscribe now. So, yes. As seen on podcasts. To me, to my personal opinion, I've been doing this for over 20 years. I'm not going to say exactly how many because... Well, you're only 21. Right, exactly. Yeah. I started when I was five. Right. Um, I think credit is, is the most important thing because if you don't have a certain FICO score, you, you're not getting a mortgage. Okay. What's if, the lowest FICO score to get a mortgage? 580. Hmm. And 580 is going to be very tough. You have to have a lot of compensating factors for that to go through. And like with it, like, Speed, agility. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, reserves, mm-hmm. assets, um, uh, uh, job longe- longevity. Um, so the unemployed guy's set. Does your down payment affect that if you put down Absolutely. 50% and you have Absolutely. a 580? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. With a 580, we're talking straight FHA. There's no way you're going to get a conventional loan with a 580. All right. So, so what's the lowest conventional loan, right? 
Um, probably 660, but if you are not, I mean, it could be lower if you're putting down a decent amount of money. All right, if so, hold putting, so hold on. So hold on. Let's just break this down into segments. So let's tell, tell the credit score range goes from X to Y. So first, let's do that. So I've seen it. FICO scores uh, as low as 400. So 400 really? with a top score. How do you get a FICO score? I know you got to walk backwards. Yeah. You've never paid anything. Because I know Adam probably has a top score here at this table. So. 804. He's got a 900. Actually, actually mine is a 400. <laughs> so you can go up to 900? Um, in the 800s. Right. So like, like anything. 400 any, to 800 something. Yes, What's yes. the top tier though? What would, anything over, I mean 800 is, is golden. Okay. So over 800, it's zero interest. Exactly. Really? And then when you get no. to 900, no. like I pay you. There you go. So, Adam, I think to your question, what's a top tier? Because they're divided in tiers, right? Yes. Would it be what, like seven forty? And I was like seven forty, seven fifty. So it up. depends on it, it's it depends on the type of mortgage because okay. something that's really important with the credit scores is mortgage insurance. So when you don't have that twenty percent down, your mortgage, which a lot of people don't know, right. it's an abstract abstract concept to them. You are paying mortgage insurance, and the lower your FICO score, the higher your mortgage insurance. And sometimes that's so. That's I don't mean to interrupt you, but guys, that's PMI. PMI. So you what you will commonly see on your applications and everything else is PMI. It's PMI or MIP, depending on the the, the loan program. PIG. So so we yeah. have our we have our breakdown. So it's four hundred to eight something. Oh, now let's just <laughs> get out there the types of mortgages. Well, the, so, well, so we I, get the basis, and then you can go into each piece. Well, the the thing with the the mortgage insurance that people don't understand how important your credit score is sometimes it's more important than the than the um the interest rate when you look at when you stop and really if somebody that knows what they're doing stops and explains this is what your payment is going to be let's not even talk about your interest rate because your mortgage insurance is so high we got to we have to do something about that with the work. So, but mortgage insurance is only required if you have less than twenty percent down. Or if you're, or if you have an FHA loan. FHA always requires. Okay, so let's just tell everybody the types of loans that are out there. Okay. So we have conventional. Conventional, Fannie Freddie. Fannie Freddie. VA. VA. For veterans. For veterans. For yeah. veterans. Uh, the VA is a, a fantastic loan. It's like, to me, I think it's one of the, the, the last, few things that we do for our veterans. You know, like it's it's a fantastic loan, 100% financing, with no mortgage insurance. Mm. Thank you for your service. Minimal credit score. Yeah. Uh, or that gets thrown out the window. Some, some leniency. Okay. There's leniency with the VA loan and for credit credit score and for debt to income ratio. I've had veterans approved at a 68 back end, which is unheard of. Okay, well, we're gonna get we're yes. gonna get to that. But no, hold on, sounds like a Chevy. Yeah, I have a question about yeah. the VA loan. With the VA loan, though, you told me that <clears throat> if you're getting the house with someone, you must be married. If you, they if, want you to be in holy you have matrimony. Be, exactly, a, no a veteran. Partners. A veteran cannot be on a loan with anyone else but their um, spouse. Okay. So, <laughs> I have had people get married. <laughs> Ladies, it's a way to get into the <laughs> yes. altar. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what about men? I in the armed services. So we have conventional, we have VA, we have USDA. USDA, which is, which is agriculture. Yes. So if you farm have a farm, like, is that the Okay, so again, <laughs> FHA, USDA, conventional, VA. What else do we got? Non-conforming. Non-conforming. Non-conforming is coming back. It's uh, it, it's that's gray area where. 
um, let's say for instance, someone's self-employed and they make the money. They make, we know they make the money, but they decide with their accountant to be creative and pay as little taxes as possible. And that's what everyone wants to do, obviously. Nobody. Sure. <laughs> that's un-American. <laughs> the, you know, the, the write-offs and different things, different expenses. Um, people tend to, obviously, try to get their taxable income down as low as possible. So mostly self-employed people have that mostly challenge or opportunity. People. Yeah, but back in the day, before the mortgage meltdown, the, the industry standard was anybody can do that. A W two employee can do, and that's why that's one of the the um, uh, the factors that led to the mortgage meltdown because we were stating income for W two employees. Now, a self employed borrower, common sense, a self employed borrower, we know we know they make the money. You could see it on their bank statements; they make the money. Right. It makes sense. So but a W two employee that's straight W two, and we like right. we were literally mm -hmm. like stating whatever it was so and it was legal stating whatever not, they needed is non-conforming loan the same as a stated income loan it the falls under the same umbrella non -conforming. How, how is that legal if you're making right. up their income right you're not you know what honest honestly no, they're, they're taking their w-2 so they're saying even with w-2s they would just state income whatever the income they needed right so if we're stating whatever income they needed which is different than the w-2 i am one don't worry limitation you. is long gone so the I'm question is could you lie back then Back then. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Did people lie? Absolutely. Whoa. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And that like led to, but it was legal. It was like, and that's like, it was crazy to me because like, let's think about it. We're setting ourselves up for failure. How is somebody that makes a cert, a fixed amount? Isn't that why the Real Housewives guy went to jail? I don't, I don't think the federal well, government thought it was. I think they lied on their, they, no, on their income. No, no, if you can't falsify documents, uh. falsifying your tax returns. Jail. That's big. That's different. That's federal. But people were doing that as well. So you can lie about your income. Back well, then, not in, not anymore. Back then. But you could always lie. Let's and then, and we were also doing 100% financing. It was okay. the wild, wild west, and it needed to stop. And and things have gotten a lot better, but slowly, some things that are necessary for a self-employed borrower, a stated income, or bank statement program is is necessary. I think it's Hilly. great. Hilly has a question. Yep. And she says, hi, Lauren. Love money. So, hey. Um, we all love money. <laughs> is there Not something specifically for first-time homebuyers? Yes. There are several different programs. Um, there are grants. Um, one of my favorite programs right now for first-time homebuyers is a, a conventional loan with 3% down. And there's an income limit, but... There are. Um, what do you mean income limit? Like if you make so much money, you can't get that loan. Correct. Discrimination against the rich. So be. for rich a comment like that, I got you something specifically, <laughs> Nima. Oh, there you go. Oh, I'm not trying to get sued by Hot 97, but I played myself. There's <laughs> a duck. You're Scrooge McDuck plush. Listen, oh, yeah. Scrooge <laughs> thinks that that is an inappropriate discriminatory law. And we should anyway. have 3% money too. <laughs> I, I don't I don't make the rules. I just oh, wait, don't And he's they, supporting numerous grandchildren, right? There's a three little ducks he, running yeah, around. He he's doing a single dad. It's a very difficult life for Scrooge. <laughs> but there is a 5% option for the rich, right? Yes. Right. What's a 5% so option for the It's offered by the Eric Anderson Capital Convention. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about so 5% down, yeah. It's conventional. Is is 
anybody can do the five percent down, and anyone can do the three percent down. Obviously, it's a more it's a you know it's a higher risk for the lender. Mm -hmm. So there are some stipulations. Like, does, does PMI get involved with that? Yes, and it's going to be higher because it's a higher risk. The higher your loan to value, the higher your PMI. So let's just talk about PMI for one yeah. second. So. We've all established there's like five different loans. And I think one of the things we want to do here is maybe go over some examples of how some of the panel has actually used these loans, because I can name a few, how they've helped me. But before we get there, PMI, like everybody gets what it is. They understand it's below 20%. They're paying a premium or an insurance policy actually for the bank. Correct. How much does that translate to? Because like if it's $10, I don't really care about $10. See, that's what is it $2,000? Like how do you judge that? It's all relative. The lower your FICO score, the higher your premium. Hmm. The higher your FICO score, the lower your premium. Okay. And the program that I was just talking about for the 3% down, if you make under, I, you know, every county is different, but I think it's like 77,000, 70 something. If you make under that, you get a reduced mortgage insurance rate. All right. So I make under 77,000. Yep. I'm buying a $500,000 house. I'm putting down 3%. What's my PMI cost? My FICO score is <coughs> six, 20. 20. All right, 650, no. 680. I got to be a 680. Well, so it's not an exact science. I know, just give us a concept of where so we are. So 500. Uh, $1,000 a month? No. 500. A couple hundred. A couple hundred, right? A couple hundred. So like 400 bucks a month. Probably less. All right, so do you use that extra 400 now becomes part of your payment, right? Correct. So you have to, that now adds on top of everything because you're also Absolutely. getting a higher interest probably. Absolutely. Right? So that's going to go towards your debt to income ratio. Absolutely. So okay. Uh, so I think just to I'm get to, to give perspective, <laughs> just quickly explain what debt to income ratio is okay. and get everybody like a comfortable with how that works. Okay. So a very, very simple, a simple uh, explanation. Um, the amount of money that you bring in every month be it $4,000 every month is that's what you bring in before taxes. So that means you make $48,000 a year, $4,000. You have a mortgage payment of $1,000 and no other debts. That would mean that your debt to income ratio is 25%. Because what, you're gonna say something? I was gonna say, so well, with, with a conventional loan, because I know there's a difference between FHA and conventional as to what your debt to income can be. So with a conventional loan ballpark, what 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 do they allow? They, they want they want it to be forty five, but you can do between forty five percent. Yeah, they want it to be forty five percent. Okay. <laughs> but they want but you can I can do between forty five and fifty. Fifty being the max for conventional, provided there are compensating factors. The credit is great. The the debt to income is low. Um, so what goes into your debt to income? Okay, so I mean, question. does yeah. like do, does your cable bill go into no. that? Okay, so everything that shows up on your credit report, your student loans, your auto mm, student loans. Mm -mm. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah student oh. loans. That's mm -hmm. a, I, that that bugs the crap out of me. These poor kids are coming out well, yeah. with ridiculous amounts, and we have to count one percent, like because it, it could be like they're not paying anything, and they got to put a payment to, in there. Okay. So student loans, what else? Can I ask you a question on yeah. that? Yeah. So you're saying these poor kids, right? And I'm I actually think that there's a issue with this whole student loan crisis. Oh, we're not talking about that. No, no, but just an, an honest question, right? Because they're poor kids, but they chose but to go to school and take the loan out. Why don't you see the bigger problem with the institution of colleges dictating, you know, what their fees are and what their costs are? 
And if their costs are relevant because they have to hire qualified professors to give you a better form of education, why is the student loan issue a crisis? So it's that like, is a very relevant, I mean, not relevant, that's a very important thing in our society. How about the president waving the payments, but, but this is not a problem. That happened? I've been, I've been like, waiting well, for more. Let's go back. Real quick to answer Next you. Next topic. <laughs> the reason I say these poor kids is because when, when I was a kid and I was going to school, I could afford my my student loan payments. It made sense. But they're coming out with they're coming a out ton with, of with debt. They're coming out with three and $400,000 in debt, and they're, they're just, like, it's just, but, but that's ridiculous. Well, but have you ever thought about that before you went to the polls? Because it's the government who backs these loans that they go out and give out at 9% interest. So when, have you ever called your congressman and said, hey, why are you guys promoting a system designed to? Yeah, I'm out there every day. That's what. That's the first thing I do. Okay, I wake up morning. <laughs> is get your loan approved first, <laughs> then go to college. Go to college. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sally, Sally has a quick question. What's up, Sally? Hey everyone, for ten ninety nine for self employed, are the lenders looking for gross or net income? Mm. Net. Net. Because net. a ten ninety nine employee, you kind of can look at like self employed because there's right. no taxes coming out. Right. So when they have the ten ninety nine, they go to the account or they do their own. The, the 1099 and then they write everything off and what the bottom line is what we can use for income thank you okay so yet again nima needs ice all right uh, this whole no ice thing <laughs> see the little scrooge mcduck there that's something that mr mcduck would so have done. thank you very there's much there's a theme here Whenever and what, one's for eric so you can't make fun of me <laughs> i won't throw it anyway <laughs> you got yelled at last time Oh, look, apparently now that there's ice, everybody's <laughs> interested. Everybody's yeah. interested in the ice. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But all right, let's, wrap, let's bring this back. So Noel had asked, how do you go through the debt to the okay. debt ratio? So what counts? What doesn't count? Right. Okay, so Just breeze us so through that. Real quickly, your front ratio is your housing expense. Your back ratio is every, your housing expense and everything else. So you've got a lease payment that's $500. You've got um, uh, uh, credit cards that are $500 minimum payments. Now you get a thousand there. Your mortgage payment is two thousand. So we're at three thousand. Three thousand is your total monthly outlay. Whatever you bring in every month versus that is your debt to income ratio. Okay. So if we're so car we're, payments are in there. Car payments. So you, so I said like your lease is three. This five hundred. Your credit card minimum payment is five hundred, and your mortgage is going to be two thousand. Health insurance or car insurance? No. Okay. So only things that report on your credit report. Utilities, no. Exclusive of alimony and child support. They don't show on your credit, but they are. But they come out. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But also counted in your favor if you receive them. So it's cheaper to keep her. So the more, <laughs> so the more, the more I've debt you have, so the more debt you have, and then the, that helps determine what type of loan you can get. So yes. whether you can qualify for a four hundred thousand dollars house, exactly. six hundred thousand, or a million. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Summit wants to know: Can I take a hundred thousand loan from my four hundred one k for a first time home buyer? So can you can you pull the money for your down payment from your four hundred one k? I, I always ask people when they say they have absolutely no money: Do you have a four hundred one k? Because you can borrow from yourself with, first of all, you can borrow from yourself without penalty. Second of all, that debt is not counted against you in your debt ratio because you're borrowing against yourself. Okay. So it's your money. Okay. So now I don't have to worry about adding that to the debt ratio. Some people say you should never borrow from your 401k. I say to each his own. 
whatever. It's money. You can make I agree. It's all about your picture. What is yes. what do you pay yourself back with You have to pay yourself back with interest. But it could be any interest, right? I think there's a no. It depends on what it's t like. It, it right now, right now it's four and a quarter. Oh, wow. But it's pretty low, and you're actually paying yeah. yourself, so it's really not the worst right. scenario. If your goal is to get a house or to get a property, it's you have to really look at the big picture and figure out a way to get there. And uh, know your resources. A lot of people don't even know that that's some. I'm sorry, did I cut you off? Go ahead. No, no. Um, just wanna, I just want to mention that this is taking a loan against your 401k, not withdrawing the money for your 401k. Exactly, exactly. and I wouldn't say. Okay. I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not. You're being the bank. You're yeah. lending yourself money. So yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. But don't think you have to pay it back in a certain amount of time? You typically, typically five years. Okay. So you're on a five-year plan, and most 401ks will allow you to borrow up to fifty percent of your vested value, hmm. or fifty thousand, whichever is less. And so that you interest, you're getting that interest okay. in your pocket. Yes, you're paying. So like, if you're, if you're, if you have even for credit cards, if you owe a hundred thousand in credit yes. cards, and you can borrow. Yes. Against your 401k to and pay I, your credit cards back at 4% instead of 30, like, it's and a no there, So I've done that with people who have overextended themselves. It happens. You know, you just, it, they, it gets out of control. They're overextended. They want to buy a house or they want to refinance. And they're it's just, like, first of all, how are you making these payments? Is that true for an, an IRA and those kind of things, too? Can you borrow against that? Or is it just 401ks? 401ks, I'm positive about. An IRA, I'm not going to speak to because okay. they're all different. All right, so everybody's got the gist of what a debt-to-income ratio is. Everybody's got the gist of the five different plans. Do we get that, are. though, the debt ratio? We do. No, we, we do. do. We do. So, so two things I want to do. We're going to go through and give examples of some loan programs we, we've used. But before we do that, tell us what the craziest loan that you got approved. You're crazy. a I knew you were going to go there. Oh. <laughs> not, not my not personal loan. Okay. Oh, my God. Let's, let's delve into Adam's finances. Yeah, right? My 400 credit score, too. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we had, a, we had an interesting one. Um, That's a euphemism. Yeah. Uh, we both lost sleep and, uh, you know, started drinking over this one. It was a... I, I'll let you dive into it because you did, you did all the grunt work when it came to the loan. I found them the house and negotiated the house and then you made the magic happen. I don't even know what I did. <laughs> yeah. well, what, what was the situation? Um, well, we had a, we had a, um, three borrowers, one of whom was one of those, we all know those people that know everything about everything. And won't Hi, listen. Nima. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet and you. And won't listen to anything. It uh, knows everything. This was his purchase. <laughs> and I, you know, well, we, you we know. both had to say, enough, stop it. Do you want help or don't you? Stop. Get out of your own way. And just it just seemed like what everything. Were the, what was the problem with them? Um, three borrowers. What was the credit? Three scores? borrowers. Um, I, I fixed the credit scores to be in the seven hundreds. I told okay. them. I gave them direction. So they started where? They started in the in the. One of them was in seven hundreds, and the other two were in the six hundreds. It was a jumbo loan. Mm -hmm. What is a jumbo it, loan? A jumbo loan is anything over conforming limits. Okay. Conforming is four seventeen. Uh, used to be. Now it's six seventeen. Now it's six forty seven. I th okay. think. So borrowed borrowed amount. Borrowed amount. Borrowed amount yeah. Six forty seven is not conforming. Okay. So you know, it, it was like what one one point two million. One, uh, uh yeah, about one point two. One point okay. two million. Okay. No, actually, it was one point one point four. Okay. Purchase amount or mortgage amount. Purchase. Oh no, purchase amount. And so, how much were they putting down? Uh. They wanted to put nothing. <laughs> very wow. little, very little. Okay. Yeah, so I think, was it ended up being five? 
if that. Yeah. I think it ends up being being five. They, five percent. Five percent. They had seventy-five thousand dollars. They had no and money. The seller accepted that offer. We made it work. You well, made it work. They had no money. We, we made, made it, it work. We. That was that was a team, team effort. Team absolutely. You, you, absolutely. You called like the seller side and was like, no, we can get this mortgage. Done. Absolutely. And it makes a big difference. Which I've done that by the way. The it makes a huge difference. I called the mortgage broker. And I'm like, don't bullshit me. Can they get the mortgage or not? Even our own you attorney, know, even our own attorney, mm -hmm. at the end of it, after we closed, called us and said to Lauren, I can't believe you got that done. I was I was convinced this was not going to work. Yeah, he was kind of, the, attorney, attorney. the attorney was, their attorney was kind of like dragging his feet because he was like, there's no way. Right, nobody, so nobody. the house prices was 1.2 million. They put down 5%. Okay, so there when were you- three borrowers. You needed all three borrowers to qualify for the mortgage income. in general. Yes. Okay. They're, they're, they're self-employed. They they write everything everything off. Which it, in context, guys, is $60,000. 60000 on a $1.2 million mortgage. Okay, okay keep you. on going. So- um, That's right. So, oh, they needed reserves. So for the, How much the program- How much reserves do you need? Well, this program, they needed 18 months of reserves. They did not have mm. them. So after you put payment. your down payment, yes. you need to have that much in reserve. Yes. Okay. Let me know when this house goes to foreclosure. I'll try to pick it up on the cheap. <laughs> <laughs> We're already on that. Yeah, yeah, we we got way ahead of you. We're, we got our eye on that. Yeah. So, um, so I split it up into a first mortgage and a second mortgage. Okay. So that we could negate the need for 18 months because they didn't have it. Mm -hmm. I got, I got, you know, we got over the hurdle of this credit isn't good enough because you need to have a 700 FICO score to, to even to do this program. We got over that, got the scores where we needed them, propped them up, held hands to make sure that they stayed propped up mm -hmm. and kept their eye on the prize, see something shiny and, you know, um, what that means is you, once she's working her magic, you can't use your credit cards. Yeah. Or, or you can't or buy a car. Don't go buy yeah. a car. Right? Don't buy furniture. Right. Don't buy furniture before you have the house. That's that's one of the things I can de definitely right. say. Do not buy furniture or you're going to live on your couch. Right. <laughs> sometimes. In sometimes. Sometimes you're going to live on your couch. I hope it's a lovely couch. Um, so in the end, we split it up into a first and second so that we could um, avoid the need for the um, 18 months because I did a first at the high balance conforming limit, was, which I think it was 800 and something. For that loan, for that yeah. size yeah. loan. And then, a, and then a second. So basically what you're hearing is that there's many different ways to, yeah. to skin the cat or whatever, to, to make something work. And if you have someone that has the ability to know all these programs in their mind, they can sometimes make things work that someone else couldn't. So having that right mortgage broker, having that right lawyer, having that right agent really helps get a deal done. So it's important. And, to and you know, and this is one of the things that if you brought this to, you know, any, especially the big lenders, any of these lenders, mm -hmm. they would have told you there's no chance in hell that this is going to work out. This is not going to happen. So, but Lauren said, if you do this, 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 I'll make it work. And she did. So. And, and big lender means a bank. Chase. Well, Spargo, yeah. Chase, Chase whatever. Bank, one That's the purpose for a lot of these smaller... Well, okay. Even beyond that, just a plug, yeah. plug for you. So a lot of you guys out there, before you start shopping, you, you the moment you start looking for a house, you start getting targeted advertisements, right? Just the way the internet works. Mortgage companies, get a rate, all these other websites, which I'm not trying to disparage them. Ghetto rate? Ghetto rate. Ghetto rate. You're like, is that a thing? No, it's a, it's a website. Yes, right? no, yeah. All these websites. And when you guys go on them, and you see all these fancy numbers they put in the front, and you end up with like someone that they just feed the business to, 
you know, that in my experience, that's not doesn't really work out well for you. Most of those deals become shit shows. They go very mm-hmm. slowly and they're convoluted. But if you're in a situation where you have an agent, guys, ask your agent because whoever your agent recommends you to is someone that they've worked for in the past and that they're standing worked behind. Yeah. Right. Or worked, worked with, with yeah. right? Not for. Sorry, worked with. Yeah. Um, we have a grammar seminar uh, coming up after this for one hour <laughs> by Eric Anderson. <laughs> no, he's right. So worked with. And the reason for that is, look, your agent wants a deal to close as well. That's how they get compensated. Um, and they want the deal to close well. So if they tell you to use someone, know that they actually do have your best interests in mind because their best interests are vested with yours. If you can't get approved, if you don't get a good rate, if they can't work out these issues, right, the whole deal falls apart and your agent's time is wasted. So don't think that when your agent recommends people like a mortgage broker, he's doing it because there's something in it for him, right? What's in it for him is the deal closing to the best parameters for you. So these websites may be great, but don't rule out local or small shop mortgage brokers because they are creative, they have the experience, and they've tested time, you know, time has tested them and they've proven that they're they're capable of getting this stuff done. But there's also there's also the other aspect of using like a local lender, somebody that you trust that you work with. And we just had the situation a few months ago. So we have a you know, we're representing a buyer and the seller was getting a little bit nervous about what was going on and Lauren got on the phone with the seller, got on the phone with the other agent and had a discussion and explained the whole process. And even the seller said, wow, this is amazing. You totally put me put me at ease on this whole situation. What's going on? And we're actually closing that one today, coincidentally. There you so go. Yeah. we would not have gotten there potentially had it not been for Lauren. So, so you know, that's the big thing Thank is, Thank yeah, you. yeah, take a bow. Uh, like a lot of times you go to, you know, ghetto rate or ghetto rate, whatever you want to call it, or you go to, you know. <laughs> what was it, ghetto rate? Oh, I missed Get it. Ghetto rate. <laughs> oh, that's what he, he thought said, you said. Oh, he said ghetto I was thinking in my head, like, how does he not know about ghetto rate? <laughs> I want the ghetto, ghetto <laughs> rate. Ghetto rate. Yeah, that's 11%. Lower, lower fees. Fraud. Lower yeah. fees. But they, they give you a piece of paper, and and it's literally not worth as much as the, the piece of paper that is written on. Like, that that is just right. a piece of paper. Well, that, that actually leads into... Um, what's the difference between pre-qualified and pre-approved? Excellent question. One is worthless and one is real. Right. <laughs> right. It yes. depends on the knowledge of that seller, because if the seller and the seller's agent don't know the difference, and if you're verified. Well, then you, okay. then you, you, need, right. a, you need a good tell us. seller tell that us, knows tell the us. difference. Okay, so a pre-qualification means that someone can, the internet is fantastic. I'm not downing the internet, but Al Gore would show up and fight you. <laughs> <laughs> something you need to have human touch. So people go online and they plug in their information as they see it Mm -hmm. and they get a pre-qualification spit out from the information they put in. Right. Debt zero. Income one million dollars. Guys, I'm approved for a nine hundred thousand dollar mortgage. And I'm, you know, this is one of people make fun of me, it's one of my favorite sayings. People don't know what they don't know. Right. When somebody puts their information into a computer, they don't know what I know about what to ask them and how much they really make. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's you would not even believe how many people have no idea what they make. Right. And I, 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 find, I just, I, like every day I talk to people, I'm like, um, so how much do you make your salary, salary? Um, not really. Do you know what? I'm hiring. If you don't Can we do the vote? That's actually interesting. Let's, can we go around the, this table and ask everyone here if they know what they really make? Okay, I'll right. start with me. Absolutely. 
you know what you really make? Yeah, yeah. Eric? I do my own taxes, too. So. I, I, Not at the end of the year after, like... <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Say by November. If you've done your taxes, of course you know what you really I make. I abstain. But, so, no. I'm going to abstain, too. You don't know what you really make? Well, I did my taxes, so I know what my taxes No, but just today. before your taxes, did you know what you really made? No. Right? Eric is a no. Omar? I'm also going to abstain. No idea. <laughs> So we're at. I plead the fifth. Out of out of three, out of, think about this, guys. Out of six people here, four out of six people at this table, right? All professionals don't know what they actually make a year until after their taxes are done. Thank you, because yeah. that's my point. Mm -hmm. That's my point, and you know. So that's the pre-qualification. That's pre-qualification, and it could come from you know, all these different internet companies. Right. And really, if the if the if the agent is a good agent, they know. Right. They know this is so a pre-approval, and it matters where you get your pre-approval. Okay. A pre-approval is when the credit has been checked, income, assets vetted, everything. Ha that's the way I do my pre-approval. I want everything. I want to mm -hmm. see everything because again, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know that that fifty thousand that you just deposited is a problem. Where did it come from? It can't just well, my stuff. money laundering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, we had it under the mattress. The mattress money doesn't work, right. and there you are have times to season when, that money over three exactly. months. Exactly, <laughs> unless you have a well vetted storage facility <laughs> filled with gold coins that you swim in, <laughs> then banks that will recognize that. Then banks will recognize that as legal tender. So, and there have also have been times where I have been told that realtors that have worked with me have received my offer and accepted it, my, my pre-approval, and accepted it because they knew that the deal was going to get done. Can somebody brush your shoulders off? <laughs> She's not. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so basically, no, the quality of that pre-approval. It's or, very important. Right. And then that's also something that you could, as a, as a buyer, you could express and say, look, I, this is a real pre-approval, or mm -hmm. it's a real pre-qualification. Yeah. Um, or actually, pre-approval is better, but it's a real pre-approval. Pre pre-approval so. is better, yeah. and I, I stand by my pre-approvals. I don't put my name on something that isn't, and a lot of people will like the you know like that. Throw it against the wall and see what sticks. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not still, a nice way to talk about get a rate. <laughs> so would you, still, would you say? So would you would you say that um, anyone that gives out a pre-approval without talking to a client for more than five minutes, it's bullshit. Well, you have to get all the paperwork and all the stuff. And See, yeah, but a lot I mean, of people don't run that. A lot of people just yes. look at the credit, right? Yeah. You've had some um, of my pre-approvals that I got from other lenders when we so, first started working together. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know what? I'm not going to toot my horn anymore. You toot it. Toot it. Go ahead. We, <laughs> we had an issue where I was given a pre-qualification. We'll call it a pre-qualification for a client. We made an offer. We had an accepted offer, and we were working on it, and it pretty much just fell flat on his face. Like well, he, he, said, we couldn't, he didn't say something like it went through underwriting, and they said no. And then we brought it to you, and you and said, I said, "There's How did no you get way this? this even went to underwriting. Hadn't filed taxes. We, we, she was a. Uh, can I say what she was? No, no, she can't no. say stripper. No, no. Oh God, wasn't it? Was she? But interesting. Oh. We'll talk about it later. So, um, hadn't filed taxes. Yeah, in years. Oh. So you can't get a loan without hadn't filed taxes in years. And this loan officer said that they put it through underwriting, which clearly is a lie. Self-employed. So, do you need to file your taxes to get a mortgage? You need to be up to date on filing your taxes. Okay. Is you're that saying no? Well, that's not true. No? You disagree? Yes. There okay. are entire programs out there for you investors as well who do okay. bank statement only loans. Yes. So you'll be in the fours, but you yes. can get a mortgage without having your tax returns filed. 
Yes. There is an entire You can do a bank statement. And that's what we're looking into for yes. our, so the buzzer our came in handy. overseas. You played yourself. Yes. So, so wait, I have a so question. That, so, that, so actually the bank statement program is a non, falls on that, under non that non-conforming umbrella that is coming back now. I have a question, Omar. So mm -hmm. you do a ton of investments and you're, you know, you buy the investment properties, you are an investment guru. What types of loans do you use? Um, for f standard fix and flips, you have to go through hard money or private money. But okay. non-conforming comes in when you want to buy a rental mm -hmm. and you have self-employment income. Mm -hmm. And I went through that. So traditional banks, I tried everything I could to get approved with the traditional bank. And it took me months and months of just going with it. And then at the end of the, at, when it came time to actually get the loan approved, they, they would disqualify for 10 different reasons. Um, so I had to go the non-conforming route. And it's a completely different way of looking at uh, yes. statements, income, and yes. tax returns. Can, can we can we talk to so it seems like a lot of the loans you do are real like residential personal home loans right yes so I'm gonna plug in here and, and Omar and and Eric can can talk about this you know in more length but for all of you out there who are investors right who are not necessarily looking for these residential home loans um, and who are those people who don't cheat on their taxes but maximize their tax savings and benefits based off of good accountants and the law that's a very right? way of putting it. There are so many programs available that make more sense for you. So if you're looking and saying, no, I would rather have a 3.5% loan as opposed to a hard money deal or some of these other non-conforming programs that are out there for us investors that are maybe 8%, 4%, 11%, right? You, this is where numbers come in and you have to actually vet your deal because sometimes it makes more sense to borrow money quickly at 11% mm -hmm. than to pay taxes on income that you could otherwise write off to get a loan at 3%. Because if your tax bracket's 20 to 30%, you're paying 30% tax on money to not borrow money at 2 to 5% more than an institutional loan. That's a good point. Without prepayments. That's a good so point. So I think that may be a nice That's topic it. to yeah. tune into in future classes. It's called Ask My Accountant. Oksana or talk has a about question. investments. Oksana has a question that goes along with that. And maybe. Oksana you, the ice skater? Oksana. I'm not saying Every Russian's not an ice skater. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and maybe you three can talk to this. For an investment buyer in the progress of Chapter 13 payoff, knowing that they can't receive a conventional loan during that period, can they still receive hard money from a hard money lender? So chapter 13 payoff is bankruptcy. Okay. I'm assuming, right? Yes, Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's 11, a, it's 13, and 7. Yes. It's not, so, chapter 7 wipes everything out. Chapter 13 is reorganization, and okay. you go on a monthly payment plan. So there's some type of bankruptcy there. Um, I would say that Omar and Nima, you guys answer this one. I mean, it depends on your credit score. Um, but hard money lending is going to focus more on the deal, the asset, and the numbers than they are on your personal finances. But if your credit score is tanking, then no, they're not doing financing. So yes and no. I agree with Omar, but typically once you file for Chapter 13, your credit score is trashed. But beyond that, I think that most hard money and I lend out, you know, even my own personal funds in hard money groups, and I know, you know, Omar is the VP of, a, of, of this capital group that does that. Why would we lend to someone who is comfortable going through the bankruptcy process or who alternatively still has the means or availability to file for bankruptcy. So amazing bank deal. Yeah. yeah. What but good's an amazing deal if they then wipe out the debt that they owe us, they keep the deal. But Great excuse, hard money. they had a liver transplant, they were almost dead and they just can't, came back. That plus if the deal goes bad and it's a great deal, the hard money lender takes the deal. Unless they file for bankruptcy, then you're not, you're uh, from a legal standpoint, what are you gonna do? You can't go in and take the deal. It's but now in the bankruptcy court, they have to approve it. On. If it's under an LLC. Oh. 
doesn't the hard money then have protections to take it back without no. going through all that? The, look, there are of course certain protections, but if you throw that company into bankruptcy too, you've now lost control of it. Every transfer, everything that's done has to be done through the approval for the most part of a judge in the bankruptcy court and they're looking at all the assets and they're seeking to satisfy all the debt. So of course you have preferred debt, some more secure debt, but at the end of the day, you don't have the ability to swoop in and take that property. Maybe you want to do a quick, you know, take the shares of the company. You can you can argue that insolvency triggers it, and you know, in your docs usually it says that insolvency or bankruptcy will trigger a default. But it's all timing. If they file for bankruptcy before you have the ability to act on your own docs, you're now subject to the bankruptcy court. Your money's tied up for two to four years that you put into that deal. You're high risk. So basically, to sum up. They both have different opinions. And I would say, depends on that hard money lender, because Omar makes a case, Neiman makes a case, if that hard money lender really likes the opportunity and looks at it as, ooh, if these people screw up, I can take it, they're probably gonna not listen to their lawyer as strongly as Nima is telling telling us right now not to do it. So I would say it could go either way. Because remember, some hard money lenders JV on the deal, so they'll partner with you and say, look, if your finances don't approve, we, get, we have the right to take the property venture, back. Yeah. JV. We should actually have one of our next talks to talk about the creative ways that you can protect yourself from this. Oh, you, joint venture, I thought you were gonna say. Well, no, they, one of them is a joint venture, and what you can actually do, guys, remember, everything is as good as a contract that creates it. If one side goes bankrupt, you if it's contractually designed or there's language in it that says that if the other partner goes bankrupt, you have the right of first refusal to buy out their interest at a specific price, Right? You're protecting that portion of the assets that you could be arguably a discounted rate. And the courts really have a tough time renegotiating contracts for people. So we, there's a lot of discussion and we can't get into that now because it's pretty complex stuff. So then maybe Oksana could go to a hard money lender who says no to her and suggest, hey, what if we JV on this project? Yeah. Maybe they would give her that opportunity. Sure. But remember, guys, for the most part, a lot of hard money lenders, that's their business. Um, you do have some that like to go in as equity as opposed to debt but equity has risk to it, whereas debt doesn't for them. And most, in my experience, hard money lenders don't deal equity with people until they have a track record. So, so you, need to you need to be. We, yeah, so like guys I represent, I, there's one in specific, um, and what he does is he will do equity with you after you've done a couple really solid debt deals, because he knows your performer, there's more upside in the equity. But if you're first time around, why would he take the risk? Debt isn't risk-free, give or take a bankruptcy, but for the most yeah. part, debt, has a certain rest threshold. And even, okay. hard, even hard money, I'm sure you guys have experienced that. Sure. They still have credit requirements, right? Yeah. They're lower than conventional loans, but I would have a tough time thinking that a hard money lender would lend to someone with a 550 credit score. Good point. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so two exciting topics. First, we still need to talk about interest rates, but before, yeah. before we get there, I think this is more exciting for people. I just want to do a couple examples of scenarios where we as investors took advantage of some crazy loans. So Omar, I want you to start with your most crazy loan um, scenario, so preferably not hard money. Not hard money. So going off what Nima said, and you brought up a great point that it's, you have to Thank balance. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> you have to balance. There's a fine balance between how much you want to pay in taxes versus using that money to pay for an increased rate if you don't file your taxes and pay enough to get qualified for a conventional loan. Um, so I was in that position, self-employed. I thought I could go to a conventional bank, and I had a two-family in prime location that was fully paid off. I thought I could go to the bank and say, look, I need a, it's fully paid off, it's renting, I'd like a line of credit on it. 
So I tried TD Bank, probably the worst bank I've yes. ever dealt with, <laughs> ever. And um, the reason I tried them is because I was told that they would give That's me a 90% yeah. credit. The people. So I gave them all the information. It took four months going back and forth. I had to have the house under my name and live there, all that stuff. Uh, I showed them assets, and long story short, they just, they denied it because the income wasn't what they wanted it to be. The assets were there. I had properties, but they denied it. So I had to go the non-conventional route. And in order for me to qualify for non-conventional, I had to pay a significant tax amount for that year. One big check. It was painful, but I had to pay a significant so amount of an taxes. an example of what Nima said earlier, yeah. where you pay that money so you can get a better scenario. You get just approved for the loan, yeah. And then yeah. even then, my rate was still significantly high. But the thing with that is, like, people have to consider that, you know, you, 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 you hear these big bank names, oh, you know these names. They're jacks, they're a jack of all trades. They, yeah. don't, they don't do primarily mortgages. Right. And a, a good point was, you know, some of these places are hiring younger kids on a salary, they work nine to five, they don't have their own houses. That's exactly you know? it. Yeah, and, and that's it. Yeah. you know, people are trusting them with their financing, and they're just kids out of college. And they have no and, incentive. They're not. And they have no incentive. They and they don't care. So, so the broker I spoke to was exactly that. He gave me up front. He said that yes, we can qualify you based on what you told me. But as soon as the questions came up, well, underwriter said, "I can't do this. I can't do this." <laughs> no, and so. and to me. If you're a good loan officer, you know ahead of time. Yeah. There's no reason why it should have taken four months to determine what your income was. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's. So I, I said that, but I meant more like websites and stuff like that. So I've experienced a lot with, and I don't know about TD because I haven't. I've had a lot of clients and people go through Chase, and I got to give credit where credit's due. They're they seem to be pretty pretty good. They have a good system in place. Um, and I don't. I bank with TD, so I can't even speak about their mortgages. But I, I've heard very, like very lollipops, right? Uh, <laughs> reparations. So and inside joke. Sidebar. So um, for the bad for the don't back for know. the bad customer service. Don't want to know. So yeah, ultimately, uh, you know, I've heard really good things about Chase, and you know, a lot of people do like the institutional banks because if you do have the income and your credit's strong, yeah. it is cheaper. Yeah. They have less fees, yep. less points. Right, and at the end of the day, all that adds up when you're sitting at the closing table. It's not like you go and you buy, you know, a cup is five dollars, and you go there and you pay five dollars plus tax. You know, when you're buying your first house, all of a sudden you realize there's all these additional fees, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to come up with that at closing. And, and that, if you're dealing a mortgage, you can't just make that money up because if it comes into your bank account, it can mess up your mortgage. So there's a lot of complexity that gets associated with that, but. For the most part, I do agree with you, but I, I do I don't think that people should just write off big banks. There are still good programs no, and packages. Right. So, so I think the rule of thumb is if your finances are W two, you report taxes, and you have a good income, go to a go to a big bank. Yeah. And if you if you're self employed and you have to get creative, then go to a capital group. Go to Lauren. Yeah. Which is the number you will see at the bottom here, 1-800-OMAR, four two three four. Yeah, the problem I have with the big banks, and you know, I, I've worked with Lauren for quite a while. Hold on, and Lauren is the big bank. She, she may look. Is. Oh, I'm not the big bad bank. I'm just no. Oh, she left a Rolex in the car. There's a Bentley parked outside, guys. She has a big firm behind you. So sorry. I'm I'm just talking about like the Chase, the TD Bank, the Bank of America, those, those, or even institutionalbetter.com, ghetto rate, whatever you want to call it. Ghetto rate. So what I like about dealing with Lauren versus Chase is that you know Chase look I, I just had a, a property that's actually closing within the next maybe week or two and Chase did an amazing job the problem that I have with them is that when shit hits the fan and it's Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening no, or Sunday evening you're not getting them till Monday so you have nobody to call 
and Lauren's gonna hate this, but you can call her, and I'm, you can call her anytime. I've talked to her at ten o'clock at night on a on a Saturday. I've talked to her at ten o'clock at night. Yeah, and, and, you're right. And, and that's what sets her apart. One of the things that sets her apart from dealing with a chase yeah. is you're not getting anybody from there until nine a.m. And if it's six oh one, you're not getting an answer till the next. And, day. and yeah, far less right. creativity too. But, so. Well, yeah, that's yeah. what I was gonna say. But I'm also lucky for everyone I work with. Crazy. I can't <laughs> stop. Like I have to. She is. I have to, I am crazy. <laughs> I admit it. I have to find a solution. I can't sleep until I find a solution. It's my neurosis. My neurosis is good for everyone. I think that's why Omar's point was really, you know, for those easy layup loans when you're on a W2, you know, your, your income is just there and you don't need creativity. Well, the only thing with that sometimes is that, you know, I've, I have, I've done a lot of SOS, pick up the ball and then run it in um, when it's taking three, four months, and they're still waiting for an answer. You can't, like. Well, that was a nightmare right in the beginning of COVID. Yes. For a lot of people right. who were using yes. big banks. Yes, and Be I had to. Remember, I was mm -hmm. like, yeah. I just want to sleep for an hour. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it was insane. But I, you know, you just. Uh, you, I don't. To me, it's different for me because I take I take all of my stuff so seriously, like way too seriously. But and personally. And personally, yeah. So which is good. You know, it's you, so, especially in this market. Now you're waiting four months; the rates are going up. Yeah. Well, yeah. perfect segue. Yeah. Let's talk about interest rates. The Fed is going to start raising interest rates in March. Yes. What does that mean for us? Does that mean we've missed the ball? Does that mean if you did not buy by now, pss, absolutely you were stupid? Not. My opinion, pss, no. Pss. It means the party's just beginning for us. Well. No, let's say for the poor buyer out there. We mean you don't want. What does it mean? Me? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, first of all, no jet ski. Calm down. Rates are still at store lows. Yeah, but it's not like the two point five percent, which was ridiculous. Let's think about that. Let's think about it logically. How long? I mean, I don't know if if, if y'all if you remember. Did we talk about when? Um, couple of years, a year or two ago, the Fed, Fred, uh, uh, um, reduces the interest rate to zero. <clears throat> Did they? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Not your mortgage, mortgage rate, but that's but the Fed rate. do you know the phone calls? I wanted to jump out my window. How what many? Floor do you live on? <laughs> it's the first floor. The first so. floor. I'm just trying to change so like how a, bad it was. Yeah, I did like a tuck and roll. <laughs> yeah. So it would be um, really dramatic if you were in like a high rise. <laughs> so I had literally, I literally had people because I, I know I remember calling you and saying mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to throw my phone out. I'm, I'm done. Calling me and saying, I heard on the news that rates are zero percent. I want zero percent. Change my rate to zero percent. Logic, people, come on. Who? is going to lend you money for zero percent. And I had to say that, I say, let's let's stop. Let's say you were lending, let's say it's your money and you wanted to lend, would you lend money? How do you say in business? You, rates aren't zero percent. By charging $35 for wire fees. <laughs> <laughs> but rates were close to nothing. I mean, I was doing 15 year, um, 1.875, wow. 1.99, that's insane. 30 years in the rates in the twos but that was never for jumbo mortgages right those are all for like yeah low-hanging fruit yeah so but here's the thing the so regular if folks. they raise the interest rates right and people have bought homes they're not going to want to sell their homes because they don't want to go into another home at a higher interest rate so we're going to be stuck with this horrible inventory problem that we have now 
Well, hopefully not. It just means that the prices of housing could drop. But if the I, demand is still there, yeah. it won't matter. I mean, yeah, it's ideally when interest rates rise, uh, home home properties are reduced. However, and I, I, this is probably better yeah. for you, but supply and demand. I mean, if there's no inventory. But it's also six it's or one half dozen of the other, right? You pay higher yeah. interest and a lower house price or vice versa. Okay, well, it. let's see. My, my, I mean, you guys are yes, worried. Well, I'm yes. the only one who's like, ah. Oh, so yes, in the I'll in the immediate that. in the immediate, yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna sting. It's gonna it's gonna burn. Like the people that are in it right now, it's gonna level off, and rates are still incredibly low. So okay. let, let's just put it into perspective: a three percent interest rate versus a four percent interest rate. Thirty years on a hundred thousand dollars. What's the difference? Damn you! <laughs> it's like five hundred, five hundred dollars, no? No. No. no it's like Oh, no. the 30 oh, over years. 30 years. 30? No, I don't. Oh, I'm talking about the payment. Per month, the monthly payment. Monthly it's like fifty dollars or something. $30, $40? $30, $40. Ah. So and see, see, that's the thing where people get so hung up on rate. Ah. There, there, there are different programs. Doesn't get too complicated, but there are different programs. I was talking uh, about MI earlier, where people get so hung up on the rate. It's like a status thing. MI mortgage insurance. And mortgage insurance. Sometimes you could take a higher rate and buy out the mortgage insurance. Mm. No mortgage insurance, you buy it out, a one-time deal, pay a little bit of a higher rate, uh, you're saving $200 a month. Do you need to tell your, your neighbor that you got a 2.875 rate, or do you need to have $200 less in your payment? Right. Makes it like... But can we can we just jump into the MI quickly? I, yeah. I know we're, we're, we're towards the end, but I, I wanted to just jump into this because so I have a lot of people that want to go on FHA, but the problem with FHA, and correct me if I'm wrong, mortgage insurance never goes away on an FHA, correct? Correct. But you so can refi out of it. You can, you can refinance out of it, but now you're refinancing two years down the line where the rate might be higher. Mm. So, And then you're also starting your uh, amortization, your schedule of payments back at day one. Don't forget mm. at the beginning, it's pretty much all interest or majority interest and low principal and it and changes it, yeah. over time. Which, which of course is not ideal, but sometimes if it gets you into a house, if if that's your your choice, then that's what you have. But I'm to saying do. there's a lot of there's a lot you know what I like about you know a lot of banks will look at it and say we can only put you in FHA. Lauren has taken people that were FHA and said you know what if you do this this and this I can put you in a conventional. Yes. And the benefit of being in conventional is that your mortgage insurance is going to go away. You don't have to refinance in three years. Mm -hmm. It's going to save you money and in the long run. And it's, it, it presents a better offer. It, and you're, you're, it, it's in today's market, and that's the other thing. In today's market, it goes cash conventional FHA. That unfortunately, you know. FHA, the problem is there's also FHA repairs, there's things like that that are required. So the people mandatory are, clause? Yeah, there's, they're, so they're less likely to accept an FHA loan than they are conventional, just like they would rather take cash over conventional. Got it. So, so if you can get into a conventional, it makes your loan, or makes your, your offer that much stronger. So the moral of the story is the more educated you are as a buyer, the earlier you start, mm -hmm. the more people you talk to, the better deal you're going to get. Because someone like Lauren is going to take you from like a... 400 um, FICO's right now. A turn up into like a beautiful. <laughs> a turn up. What I got uh, from this was pay your bills when you're young from the start and keep your credit up, right? So, Eric, you're, now we're going through the. We're, Omar just told us his story about a mortgage. We need to. You got 30 seconds. Yeah, we no, 30 you go. I, I, I've never taken it. I did a countrywide home loan fast and easy. Oh, fast and easy. Fast Back and easy. in the day. Back in the day, I bought a vacation house 20% down. Hindsight, it was stupid, but I did it anyway, and it was all stated income, and it was easy, and I just closed. I didn't fast and it. easy. Best loan I ever took. Yay! Well, thank <laughs> you. I have one mortgage. Lauren, so. this has been amazing. You are amazing. You guys are a lot of fun. 
And thank you. We have to have you back another time to talk about all of this in more depth because this seems like a topic that could go on forever. Um, But that has a lot to it. Thank you guys for coming. We will see you next week. Don't forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We are now on Spotify. So you're going to go to Spotify and you're going to listen to us as you drive in the morning. Or you're going to go to YouTube and subscribe and you're going to watch us. And if you visualize it, you can own it. Okay. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Hit that buzzer. <laughs> <laughs>